Welcome to the Buford Sermons Podcast, where we care about the things you care about. For more information or to donate to this ministry, please visit www.fbcbuford.org. Uh, turning your Bible to Isaiah chapter 7, and uh, we're really going to kind of jump around a little bit this morning as we jump into a new series. This is, again, an exciting season in the life of our church. There's so much going on tomorrow night. Our ladies are having their uh, ladies' Christmas tea that we're really excited about. As Over 100 ladies will be here just celebrating together, and all the money that's made from the silent auction at that and all of that is going to some friends of mine. Um, who are doing ministry uh, in Peru, taking the gospel to unreached people groups. Scotty Hayes and his wife, Jadison. I'm so excited about what God's doing there. Our live nativities coming up uh, on the 15th and 16th. And that's just a great night for us to love on our community and serve our community. And on Christmas Eve, you need to just hear this. Mark your calendar. Make sure you're here. Uh, we'll have two Christmas Eve services, one at 3 o'clock, one at 5 o'clock. We're doing something we haven't ever done on Christmas Eve before this year. And it's just, um, uh, we've, it's really out of necessity. And we've had the privilege to celebrate baptism a lot lately. And uh, on Christmas Eve, we'll celebrate baptism, hopefully in both the 3 o'clock and the 5 o'clock services. And so God's just doing great things in life, our church. And we want you to be a part of what God's doing this Christmas season. And part of you being a part of what God's doing is you being here on Sunday mornings throughout this season as we were uh, praying through and preparing, what are we going to preach on Christmas? I'll just be honest with you. As the pastor, sometimes there becomes this weird pressure to try to you know, get all creative and do something that's different this Christmas than, than you did the Christmas before and then you did the Christmas before. And it's really hard because the Christmas story is the Christmas story, right? Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. He lived. He died. He rose again. He offers us hope. But this Christmas season, we do want to do a little something a little bit different. And so the messages over the next few weeks will be different than what we normally do. We walk through books of the Bible, walk through passages of Scripture verse by verse here. Well, the next few weeks, we're going to take those great Christmas songs that we've sung most of our lives, and we're going to walk through one of them each week. See, when I grew up uh, in Columbus, Georgia, Phoenix City, Alabama area, music was a big deal to my family. My family, not including myself, my family is a very musical family. They just sing all the time. And uh, my dad, he, I'm pretty sure he like carries his guitar in his pocket and then pulls it out and puts it together and just plays it and sings it. Even when you don't really want him playing and singing it, he's playing and singing. He, he, they, they sing all the time. And I remember growing up each Christmas, my family and I would gather around at my uncle's house or at my Granny Fountain's house, and my dad would get his guitar out, and my cousins would get their guitars out, and every once in a while, they'd give me like a pot or a pan or a box or something to, you know, beat on while they were playing and singing, and we would gather around, and we would sing these Christmas songs, and as we would sing these Christmas songs, we would do so preparing for what was about to happen, because after we gathered in the living room or the den or if it was nice enough outside on the porch and saying these songs together, we would all, 40-something of us, load up in a bunch of vehicles, mostly us kids climbing in the backs of pickup trucks when you were still allowed to climb in the back of a pickup truck and not be fearful of getting arrested or whatever. And we would drive all over Columbus, Georgia, and Phoenix City, Alabama going Christmas caroling. Now there's your typical Christmas caroling that maybe you've done before and then there's the Fountain Family 
Christmas caroling. It was such a big deal that at year 20 or 25, I don't remember, there was a whole segment on the local news about the Fountain family Christmas carolers. There were people in our community who would schedule their Christmas celebration, their family Christmas celebration around when we were going Christmas caroling. We would show up at apartment complexes and whole apartment complexes would come out to listen to us sing Christmas carols. The chief of police in Columbus would schedule his family's Christmas gathering and we would show up. All 40 of us and all 70 or 80 of his family would come out as we would sing Christmas carols together. I grew up singing these songs and it was just a part of the tradition of Christmas. But here's what happens a lot of times. Many times we sing these songs and we're very familiar with them. We're familiar with the tune. We're familiar with even the lyrics to where we just sing them in a way that we don't really recognize or remember what we're singing, don't we? We, we sing the songs and we sing the tunes, but in our minds they're so overplayed that we don't always get the incredibly rich theology. We don't always get the hope that is offered in the truth of these great hymns. And so we want to take the next several weeks, this whole month of December, and we want to maybe bring you back to some of those songs that many of you have sung for all of your life. And we want to point you to the hope and the truth that's in those songs. And we start this morning with the one we just sang. O come, O come, Emmanuel. When you look at this song, it's incredible, it's incredible to realize that this song was written somewhere between the 9th and 12th century. That it was in the 1800s that it was translated from Latin to English. That for literally hundreds of years, believers have sung this song together. That there are so many things that tie the church together, right? There's obviously our faith in Christ that tie us together, the blood of Jesus that covers our sin. But to think and to know that as we sang that song this morning, all the way back in the 1800s, there were believers singing that song in English. And in the 15th century, there were believers singing that song in Latin, that song of hope, that song of anticipation, that song that means so much depending upon the circumstances that we're walking through. And so this morning, we're going to kind of walk through this song that we just sang and we're going to look at scripture and look at great theological truth and look at great encouragement. And my prayer is that the rest of this season, when you hear this song on the radio, whatever arrangement it is, when you hear it come on on your Alexa at home, when you show up to some sort of Christmas performance at your kid's school and you hear it, that you'll hear it and you won't just hear a familiar tune and you won't just feel some uh, nostalgia, but you'll hear great truth that offers you incredible hope. So I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 7. When you hear the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, you can't help but look back to the Old Testament and see this incredible prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 7, 
Verse 14, the Bible says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Now, in Isaiah chapter 7, we see this incredible story. It's the story of Ahaz. Ahaz was the king of Judah. I don't have time to preach an entire message on what's happening there. And I encourage you to go back on your own time and to read Isaiah 7 and to see what God is teaching there. But Ahaz was the king of Judah. And there were these nations around them, including Israel, who were led by ungodly kings. And they were attacking Judah, attacking Ahaz. And so while he had all of these enemies around him, there was this great temptation at this time for Ahaz to join up with the Assyrians, another godless people, and to seek help from the Assyrians to protect him from these other enemies, these outside enemies that were attacking them. Isaiah was the prophet of God. And Isaiah has come before Ahaz with the purpose of encouraging Ahaz to stay faithful to the one true God, the God of Judah. And in encouraging Ahaz to stay faithful, Isaiah makes this statement to him when he says what we just read, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, we know from the New Testament, we're going to read in just a little bit, that Emmanuel means God with us. What is Isaiah trying to do by making this prophetic statement to Ahaz? Here's what Isaiah is reminding Ahaz here is that Jesus is promised as our rescue. He's reminding Ahaz that he doesn't have to look to outside sources to be rescued from the danger, the circumstances that he's walking through, that he can trust that God is with him, Emmanuel, God with us, and that God is the rescue for his circumstances. And so this song in the ninth century or in the 12th century was written. O come, O come, Emmanuel, reminding believers that God, through the person of Jesus, the prophecy of Jesus here, is our rescue. So see, well, that's neat, but that's, that's not that big of a deal. But think about history. You see, when I sing this song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. I think about the family walking through the Black, black Plague. Death all around them. And the believers singing, O come, O come, God with us. I think about my mother-in-law's family. Her mom, who fled Germany during World War II. I think of their family sitting around their living room while chaos is all around them, while people are suffering and being murdered, while they're trying to do the right thing seeing evil personified crying out in that one sad Christmas in the middle of that great war 
Oh, come, oh, come. God, with us, be our rescue. I think of some of the great senior adults in our church who were sitting in our services even this morning in their 90s. Some of your parents and some of your grandparents who walked through the Great Depression not knowing how they were going to feed their families. Singing, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, God, our rescue. I think of the believers across time standing and watching their loved ones burned at the stake, placed in front of a firing squad, searching for other loved ones' remains under rubble that had been destroyed. Singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. You see, when the world has felt like it was crashing around us for literally hundreds or thousands of years, we believers, followers of Christ, could always cry out knowing that God would send, born of a virgin, Jesus, our rescue. I think today of the employee who doesn't know whether their employer is going to keep them for the next week of work or not. Oh, come. Oh, come, Emmanuel. When the world feels like it is all against you and me, this great song reminds us that God is with us and that the coming Jesus is our rescue. He says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, O ransom captive. Now, when you read it, it just says Israel, but you can't quote the lyrics of this song and just say that, can you? When you quote them, you have to say, oh, ransom captive Israel. Nobody says it that way except for when singing this song. And when I sing that first verse, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, oh, ransom captive Israel, I can't help but remember in Matthew, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. If you can turn there or you can check it out on the screen. Isaiah 7 had told us that the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is uh, pointing to prophecy that Jesus would come of a virgin. And then in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph had found out that Mary was pregnant and he had begun wigging out a little bit. He had begun having these thoughts run through his mind. Wait a minute. I know there's been nothing physical happened between me and Mary that would cause her to be with child. I, I thought she was going to the grocery store the other day, but maybe she wasn't, right? I, I thought when I was on this business trip, she was hanging out with mom, but maybe she wasn't. Things are kind of weird here. There's great punishment for this. I don't get what's going on. I don't like it. I don't really fully believe it. And the angel of God shows up to Joseph and says this. 
It says, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, Jesus is promised as our rescue. But when we sing this song, we also remember that Jesus is present as our ransom. In Matthew chapter 1, when the angels are speaking to Joseph, they say, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. What's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. Listen, because he will save his people from their sin. Here's the incredible, incredible encouragement from this song and the incredible encouragement from the truth of the word of God is that Jesus is our promised rescue, but Jesus is also present as our ransom. He rescues us from outside circumstances. He is the one we run to when the world is crashing around us. He is the one where we find our hope and our joy and our peace when things seem hopeless and chaotic. He is that, but he is also the one who is present so we can run to him when things aren't just crashing all around us, but when we are destroying ourselves from the inside out. He is present as our ransom, that Jesus would come and he would be born to save us from our sin. You see, Many times we look around us and we see great fear and great danger. We see pandemics and we see political unrest and we see shootings and we see bombings and we see ungodliness all around us. And it is so easy for us to get caught up in the midst of all of that. But you know what? Do you know why you don't hear us coming here and try to deal with all the social issues of the world all the time here at Buford? Because the greatest danger to us isn't what's out there. The greatest danger to us is what's in here. But Jesus is present. He is the ransom to free us from our own captivity of sin. Isn't that incredibly hopeful this morning? To know that this precious baby boy would be the payment for us to break free. You see, here at Buford, you're going to hear us. If you come for any length of time, you're going to hear us hear us understand that sin is sin that disobedience to God is sin and you're going to hear us explain to you the gravity of sin that God cares about our sin so much so that he allowed his son Jesus to be beaten and hung on a cross as punishment for our sin 
You're going to hear that God is good, God is perfect, God is just, God is judge, and that because God is good and perfect and just and judge, that God can't look upon sin. And you're going to hear that God is a God who is a loving God, but he's also a God of wrath and righteousness. But may we never present that message to you without pointing you to the great hope that Jesus has already paid the price for your ransom so that you don't have to experience the wrath of God. That Jesus became our ransom, one to free us from the punishment of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but it also tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That God loves you so much and that while you were still a sinner and deserving of death, he sent Christ Jesus into the world to die in your place so that you could receive forgiveness and life everlasting. See, Jesus is the ransom that frees us from the punishment of our sin. But Jesus is also the ransom that frees us, listen, not just from the punishment of our sin, but also from the prison of our sin. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. What does that mean, Stephen? Here's the reality for many people who have sat in this room and heard this this morning and are sitting here now at this hour and who may be watching online. For many of you, and it's been true in my life, you can point to sin in your life that has held you captive, haven't you? You can point to times in your life when you just felt you couldn't break free. That this sin has overtaken you, this ungodly relationship has taken hold in your life and you can't break free. This addiction has taken hold in your life and you can't break free. This secret sin has taken hold in your life and you can't break free. This prideful attitude has taken over. This decisions that we've made as parents to try to, uh, try to um, help our kids live up to some cultural expectations instead of pointing them to Jesus that it's become sinful because we've moved away from Christ and we've elevated everything else we're just stuck in it and we can't break free and many times we get so stuck in sin that we even get to a point to where we say not only am I not worthy of God's forgiveness we get to a point to where we say I'm so far into this sin that I'm not even worthy to be obedient anymore I'm not good enough so I might as well stop trying But oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, God with us and ransom captive is Rael. Listen to me, my Jesus, God with us in the flesh, died, rose from the dead, has paid the ransom not only to break you free from the punishment of God, but he has paid the ransom to break you free from the power of sin in your life. It is true. For most of us who are stuck in sin, it is not possible for you to just decide, okay, I'm done. I'm going to do what's right now. You can't do it, can you? You've tried. You might can do it for a day. 
for two days, for a week, but it's got you held in captivity. And the only way we can break free is because Jesus came and he's present. He's paid the price for us. Jesus is promised as our rescue. He's present as our ransom. But then when we continue to sing this song, we notice that we repeat some words over and over again and we've repeated them for all of the history of this song. Hundreds of years. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Ransom captive Israel, listen, that mourns in lonely exile until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee. O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer. O come, desire of nations bind. O come, O come, Emmanuel, Emmanuel shall come to thee. When we sing this song and when believers have sung this song over years, we sing remembering that Jesus is promised as our rescue. We sing remembering that Jesus is present as our ransom. He's paid the price for us. But we sing with the hope that Jesus is promised to return. It is a continual crying out to God. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us. When we think of human history that this song has been sung through, some of those great events in history that we've even mentioned before, you think of the believers that have been in great great suffering. You think of the believers that have experienced great conflict. You think of the believers that have experienced great poverty. You think of the believers that have experienced great persecution crying out on those Christmas seasons when the world seemed to be collapsing around them, when they seemed to be stuck in impossible circumstances. Oh, come, oh, come, Lord Jesus. I know you're with us already, but I just can't wait for you to come back. I know you've already been born and you died and you rose again and your Holy Spirit's here, but I just want to see your face peek through the cloud a little bit. I know that you've already saved me, but Lord, I want to see your perfect glory and creation. It's this crying out of what's expected and the hope of the future of Jesus's return. Now, when we speak of Jesus's return, sometimes in churches like ours, we get a little bit nervous talking about it, right? Because it just feels kind of like crazy talk, doesn't it? That, that this idea that Jesus is going to come back. It, it feels like maybe, uh, maybe some might even hear that and go, wait, we're in one of these crazy end-time prophecy places that just spends all of their time talking about all of this uh, prophetic imagery and these prophetic things that are going on around us and all of our focus there and we just spend our lives in this little bubble looking for Jesus to come back but it's really not that crazy at all you see we we believe God's word right I teach our three and four year olds our weekday preschool that this is the true and God's true and holy word and if we believe the word of God I can't help but go to John chapter 14 when Jesus looks at his disciples who are struggling with the fact that Jesus is going to die he's uh, beginning to explain it and they don't fully get it and he says I go and prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself and that where I am there you will be also I, I 
can't help but think of Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. It's going to pop up, I think. It says, look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. I can't help but think of Paul writing in Titus chapter 2 in the New Testament. He says this, For the grace of God has appeared, verse 11, that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. I can't help but think of the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, when he says, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. Listen, and he will appear a second time. I love this. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those waiting for him. This incredible truth that Jesus is coming back again and his return is promised. And when we sing this song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we were looking back to the Old Testament and to prophecy. We were looking to the present time and the fact that Jesus is here, that he's come, he's lived, he's died, he's risen again. But we're also singing with great hope, looking to his return, his perfect, glorious return. Not in a way where we just aimlessly stare at the sky and live in this bubble, counting down the days, trying to predict, trying to predict a time. We've seen those crazy people. That's not possible, the Bible tells us, that nobody knows the time. As a matter of fact, the angels of God warned the disciples against this. Right after Jesus ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, he had just given them their uh, assignment that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. He'd given them this assignment to start the church and that they would be the instruments he would use to spread the good news of the gospel of Christ Jesus to the world. And the Bible says that they stood in verses 10 and 11, they stood with their mouths agape, just staring at the sky. Jesus had given them their assignment and then he had ascended into heaven, up into the clouds, and they stood staring, waiting for the rest of the show. And the angel showed up in verse 11 of Acts chapter one. Listen to what they said. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. That when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we're singing, acknowledging that Jesus one day is going to come back. And we do that believing. Listen. Believing that that's not some crazy dream, but believing that it is truth from the word of God. And the reality is it's not that hard to believe when you think about it. I mean, think about it. If I believe that in the beginning God spoke all things into being and Jesus was present in there, there in the beginning because John tells us that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and that all things were spoken into being through the Word, through Christ Jesus. If, if I believe that in Isaiah he would prophesy that 
Jesus would be born of a virgin hundreds of years later. And then if I believe that Jesus would be born of this virgin Mary, this teenage girl, that he would supernaturally, miraculously be placed in her womb. And then he would be born and he would live this perfect sinless life. If I really believe that this Jesus, this precious baby, would grow in wisdom and stature and then would do things like turn the water into wine. If I really believe that Jesus would look at the leper, had that incurable skin disease, and just with a touch would heal him. If I really believe that Jesus would take the blind man and spit on some mud and put it on his eyes, and he would be able to see. If I really believe that every funeral Jesus showed up, he messed it up because all of a sudden the one that was laying there began breathing. If I really believe that this same Jesus was the Jesus who would pick up the ear to one of his captives and he would put it back on his head and all of a sudden it would be whole again as God's word says. If I really believe that this Jesus would live his life perfect and sinless only to be crucified, hung on a cross between heaven and hell with your sin and my sin upon his shoulders, uh, murdered as a common criminal and then be put in the tomb and three days later would come back to life. If I really believe that Jesus could come back from the grave, how hard is it to believe that one day he'll come down from the sky? If I really believe, listen to me, when I look at my life, if I really believe that my Jesus can take the drug addicts that I've seen him take and heal and restore and use in incredible ways, if I really believe that my Jesus can take the broken hearts of those who have experienced great loss and that he can mend them and mold them to be used for his glory. If I really believe that God can take this Jesus, can take the marriage that is so close to being over, the marriage that is hanging on by a thread or maybe even the marriage that's already ended and he can restore it for his glory. If I really, really believe that my Jesus can take a broken sinner and he can save him and he can give him a purpose that is far beyond anything he could ever imagine. If I believe that my Jesus can work the miracles that I know he's worked, then why can I look with great hope and great peace and great joy and know that my Jesus one day is coming back for me? Listen, if I believe this, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and wipe all tears away. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, when you come back and remove us from a place of brokenness. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and remove all disease. I listened Friday night. My wife, Erin, was in Monroe, Georgia, speaking to about 200 ladies. And it was put on, it was broadcast live. So after the football game, I, it was a big ladies' event, and ladies don't like men at ladies' events for some reason, so I didn't go. So after the football game Friday night, I got in my car, and I found where she began speaking and I listened and one I was blown away 
at how good she was. Like, blown away. And as I listened, my mind began to race back. And I began to remember the hopelessness in her voice as she would call me from school, crippled by anxiety. I began to remember the nights she talked about when my mom or her mom would come get newborn Emma as I just sought to take care of her the best I could. She was in the first service and I told her, I'm not sure if I was supposed to tell this part or not, but I remember the night when I handed her one of those emergency pills and said, take it and go to sleep. And I remember the scripture. I'll never forget the scripture all over her mirror. God was doing this great work in her heart while she was fighting this terrible disease mental health and anxiety and depression oh come oh come Emmanuel our rescuer the anxiety was not sin But she will tell you she remembers the moments in the midst of her anxiety of unbelief when she allowed Satan to lie to her and captivate her, make her captive in these moments of sin. When she began believing his lies, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, our ransom, who breaks us free. The last 11 years, God has used her in so many quiet ways. Her speaking in front of a group of 200 ladies is, well, if you heard her Friday night, you wouldn't know this, but it's not in her DNA. But I remember even Thursday as she texted me from the bathroom of her school. I remember being here and asking the question in my head, should I go get her or should I just let her work through it? As for the first time in years, a panic attack had debilitated her. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. I listened to her Friday night as God used her and spoke through her in a way that I only pray he can use and speak through me on Sunday mornings. And then last night as I was just praying and reading and looking back over what I was going to do this morning, I couldn't help but think, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Restore my wife to a place where there's no more anxiety where there's no more risk of depression 
where she doesn't fear any longer. Where she just gets to worship you. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, come back. God with us, you are here. But man, I look forward to when the broken heart of the mom and dad feel no more sorrow. To when the recovering or recovered addict has no more temptation. To where the mom and dad no longer believe the lies of Satan and culture that these things are more important. Oh, come. Oh, come. Emmanuel. Listen. That's perfect. To where we don't get amber alerts anymore. Listen. Of babies in danger. When we celebrate this Christmas season, listen to me. We celebrate knowing that whatever's going on around us, Jesus was promised from the beginning of time as our rescue. Whatever's going on within us, Jesus looks at us with love and compassion and says, I've already paid the price to break you free. I'm your ransom. no matter how hopeless it all feels we can sing knowing he's returning for us our anxiety is <laughs> just for a little while our heartache it's just temporary our financial stress it's not eternal because one day if we've trusted Jesus he'll bring us home here's the only hope you have this morning if Jesus returns and you haven't trusted in him listen to me his return is not good news for you because he's just and he's righteous. And his judgment will fall upon all who have not been forgiven because of the blood of this precious baby who was born and then died on the cross. Today, he calls you to let him be your rescue. Today, for some of you watching or for some of you here, he calls you to trust him as your ransom. Today, he calls you to put your future in his return. Would you say, God, I'm a sinner trying to make it in a broken world. I need you to change my life. I need you to give me hope. I need you to give me peace. I need you to give me joy. I need you to give me purpose. I need you. And because of that, I surrender all I have to who you are. If you're in the room and that's you, you need to trust in Jesus. You can come talk to one of us at the end of the service. Or you can text that word Buford Info to that number 97000 and you can follow the prompt. 
that says something along the lines of trust Jesus or give my life to Jesus. I don't even know what it says. And we'll begin that conversation with you as soon as we see it this afternoon. He is our hope. He is who was prophesied about. He is who is present now. And he is who holds our future. Would you trust in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us? Maybe you're a believer and you're just struggling through stuff. He's paid the ransom so you don't have to live in captivity to your sin. Would you just give it back to him? Would you walk in the hope of knowing that he holds your future, but he also holds your present in his hands and he knows what he's doing. Trust him, Jesus, and Jesus alone. If you need us to pray for you or you need us to talk with you, you can come see us or you can text that word and we'd be happy to have that conversation. Let's stand together. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing and celebrate that Jesus and Jesus alone is where our hope lies. God, I thank you for this day. Lord, help us to be obedient to you in these moments. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that you have been blessed and challenged by this message. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want to know more about how to follow Jesus, please check us out at fbcbuford.org.